0: The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Liberty Alert with Gregory Seltz, sponsored by our friends at the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty here in Washington, D.C., a program that cuts through the chaos and confusion in the culture today by talking two-kingdom citizenship, bold biblical principles for a robust, public Christian life. And now your host, Dr. Gregory Seltz. Good day, good day, Washington, D.C. I'm Gregory Seltz. Welcome to our program, The Liberty Alert, where every week we try to cut through the noise and take on the issues, especially the public issues that matter to people of faith. And today's issue is one of those issues, the sanctity of Life, The preciousness of life from conception to natural death, because that is something that should actually bond us together as a country. There should be a bipartisan issue that human life is precious. Human life is sacred. Our, our rights actually fro- flow from that notion. You know, this is a lot of times people say, well, that's a religious issue. No, this is a moral issue that is religiously motivated by some. But there's people who are not religious who believe in the sanctity of life, too. This issue really is an issue that we have to fight for together as a country because our civility and our sanity depend on it. So, on the program today, we are privileged to have Montana Senator Stephen Daines. He's here to talk about the incredible opportunity for our country to return to what I call the sanity and the sanctity of life. And, and he's been a staunch, I guess, maybe better uh, adjective is courageous defender of all people's inherent dignity as human beings made in God's image. Welcome, Senator Daines.
1: Yeah, really glad to be here.
0: Well, listen, before we begin, I've got to tell you, I have seen the gates of the mon- of the mountains open and close up front and personal on Holter Lake. Uh-huh. And uh, I, like many Americans, would love to experience Montana the way that Brad Pitt did in the movie, A River Runs Through It. <laughs> uh, I'm a Michigan man who loves the lakes, but those, those rivers are incredible. It's a beautiful place, isn't it?
1: Well, Greg, I'm very fortunate. As, I, as I've always said, uh, I didn't get to Pick Montana. Montana got picked by my great great grandmother, a Norwegian from Norway, Karin Dyrud, who homesteaded not far from the gates of the mountain. Is that right? An hour and a half north of there where she's buried today by the Golden West Lutheran
0: Church. How about and that? On,
1: on her gravestone it says Saved by Grace.
0: Oh my goodness. So that's well, how my
1: Montana roots began. And I will tell you this, I was wow. fly fishing on Montana streams before Brad Pitt ruined it for the rest of us. <laughs> when he came out with Robert Redford and made a big movie and we got that's discovered. Right.
0: That's right. Well, I'll tell you, I, I loved it when I was there. I just wish I could have stayed longer. It's it, yeah. It's tremendous. Well, we've got a lot of people in Montana who support you. They're big supporters of you and they value your leadership. So like right to the topic, because I know you don't have a lot of time with us today. Um, our our effort here in D.C. is to advocate for religious liberty and the sanctity of life. And when I look at your record on, on the Hill and I'm just going to run through a couple of them, the Pain Capable Unborn Child Act, Title 10 Abortion Provider Act. So no family planning money goes to abortionists uh life at conception act the law finally catches up to science you know dare i say fund are also the fundamental morals of a civil society and then this last one the born alive abortion survivors protection act I, again i'm sometimes i just wondered how can we have to have laws that tell doctors to actually protect children that are they're actually born uh in their uh, operating rooms so my first question to you is who would be against these things and, and why is this a great moment for the pro life movement uh, as an opportunity to instill this, this sanctity of life, this value of life for all people? Because yeah. this should not be a part, by, this should be a bipartisan issue.
1: It, it really should be. And there's nothing more foundational and basic mm-hmm. than the right to life. Right. We go back to our founding fathers when they talked in the Declaration of Independence, these certain unalienable rights. That among these are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness you cannot have liberty you can't have the pursuit of happiness without first having the right to life and it's it's very very troubling i know for so many who are listening about how far to the left how radical mm. the pro abortion movement has become because that baby born alive bill that's not an abortion bill that's right. a, Fanticide bill, right? A baby that is born and breathing outside the womb. And we said you can't kill that baby if a baby is born as a result of botched abortion. Right. And yet we cannot get Democrats to support that bill. And that just shows you, first of all, how powerful the pro abortion lobby is in this country. And how radical sadly i say this as somebody who grew up with a lot of democrats in our family in montana who were very different back in those days versus i think the radical nature of on abortion that the democrats have today
0: well and i i think you're exactly right on this um because there's 20 million pro-life democrats today uh i work with that group on the hill and the fact that it's not on their platform is something i'd love to see change as well so again you, the preciousness of life is a is a fundamental issue and a lot of the problems we see today are because people are beginning, you know, beginning to think that life can be treated uh, as disposable so let's also then talk then about you know your speech on the senate floor concerning the democrats abortion on demand until birth uh, act i i wish everyone could have heard that and since not everyone did i'd love you to amplify on that because share a few main points of your speech Because this was like you said, this was a law that was to codify abortion all the way to the moment of birth. Wow.
1: Well, well, it is um, uh, it it, it was radical. It, it, in fact, may indeed have been the most radical pro-abortion bill ever introduced into the United States Congress. Uh, They would require that every single state be a late-term abortion state. So it would put us in the same category as China and North Korea. Right, It puts us in a very, very terrible category of the most radical kind of seven countries that would be basically codifying late-term abortion. In fact, it'd be sad to say the United States would be one of the most dangerous places for an unborn baby to be if they would have had their way on the Senate floor. Uh, and it's out of step with the American people. 71% of Americans oppose late term abortions. And I understand how polarizing this bill is, uh, this issue is, but let's at least, on a bipartisan basis, agree on stopping late term abortion. Now, of course, I believe life begins at conception, right. but let's at least agree on stopping late term abortion. We can't even get that agreement in Washington.
0: Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, and again, I guess when I look at that particular bill, not like you said, not only is it radical because there, there is no, we would be the most radical, like you just pointed out, and there is no other Western country that's even close to this kind of uh, way of thinking about uh, the unborn child. But explain to our listeners how that bill was a classic political overreaction to the Supreme Court possibly returning abortion back to the representatives. You know, the Dobbs case is is the issue. It is. But what what is the Dobbs case going to do, and what or might it do, and what it what won't it do?
1: Right now, I I'm a chemical engineer by degree. We talked about our science backgrounds. But we're right together. So I'm a left brain, more engineer. I'm not a lawyer, <laughs> but I would encourage uh, those who are listening to this uh, broadcast to uh, to to spend the time to read Justice Alito's draft opinion. Mm-hmm. It is brilliant. It is well thought out. It's compassionate. And and it's important to look at what it says and what it doesn't say. It really isn't about abortion. It's about fundamentally who should decide what protections should be put in place for the unborn. Where does that fundamental power reside? Should it be with nine guys in black robes from 1973 or an issue that is contentious Would it be better if elected officials who are held accountable by the people let's let them decide where to draw the lines on protections for the unborn that's the essence of what was there. so that means the states will play a very important role assuming this opinion is held up there'll still be an important role for elected officials at the federal level as well but the states will be where a lot of the action will be and i'll tell you why because in the in, in the United States Senate, it takes 60 votes to pass a pro-life protection bill. We're going to keep fighting for pro-life here. Mm-hmm. But for realistic outcomes, the states is probably where you're going to see legislation passed and signed by governors.
0: And that's where people of common good conscience, uh, that's our responsibility. We're the ones that are supposed to build the civil society. We're the ones that are supposed to take care of our neighborhoods and families. You guys here on the Hill, that's not your job. I mean, you know, again, this limited sense of government. It would be wrong to to buy fiat. Tell us how we're going to solve this this basic fundamental issue. And I think that's what was wrong about the ruling in the first place. They took the Constitution and they legislated with it in such a way that an issue and it was a we were a pro-life nation at the time of 1973. And so in one fell swoop, they made they made the most people's view of this unconstitutional. And if you want to do that, there's an amendment process. Right. I mean, there is an amendment process. You can change the Constitution. You just can't do it by fiat.
1: You you think about how radical that bill was that we defeated. We talked about there's no gestational protection, but it's, it's worse than that. It would strike down any state law. It would require parental involvement in abortions for minors, an example. It would strike down any late-term abortion limits at a state level. It would strike down any sex-selective or down-syndrome-selective abortions. That would be struck down at this if, for states if that federal bill would have passed that Chuck Schumer put on the floor. It would strike down conscious protections, uh, That which that's a core issue in terms of religious liberty for our country. It would strike down... The, the high protections that say taxpayer dollars cannot be used for abortions, all of that would have been struck down had Chuck Schumer's bill passed the U.S. Senate.
0: Yeah. And again, corrupting the, the, the medical profession, because that, that was a key issue for me, too, back in the day. And it is today. Do no harm suddenly means I can do whatever I please as long as I have your consent, too. And that's just not that's not the kind of. When you have that kind of power over life and death, there needs to be proper moral limitations to it or all kinds of bad things. Incredibly bad things can happen. I've got now to you- tell you,
1: I, I've had I've had students in, now the opened, that the capital opened up again post covid. I'm having the student groups come back each of us. I have groups, of course, from all over Montana that come these high school students and middle school students. And this question's come up, of course, after the leak happened uh, from the Supreme Court, they're asking about Roe v. Wade. And what I do is I ask them a question, because I believe that people believe what they discover for themselves. Self-discovery is very important to get to truth. Wow. And I ask them with their smartphone. I said, Google, 15-week baby. Just type in one five-week baby, hit search under Google. And it pops up an image. And I say, click on images and look at the image the wow. 3d ultrasound of that 15. week. Why do I ask him that? Cause that's what the Dobbs case was drawing the line at 15 weeks. And I just asked the question, whether no water, where you stand on abortion. I asked, is that life or not? I asked him the question, if you were a NASA scientist and they sent the Mars lander and the Mars lander image came back with that image would the scientists conclude that is life or not. And listen, I know the answer because they all look at that. Even though I can see some the core of students, yeah. they don't have a response. So I'm not telling them what to believe. Right. I'm asking them to think about what they Think believe. about it.
0: You know, and you did that in your speech, too, because you made a great point when you just said the unborn sea turtle eggs and unborn eagle eggs have more protection than unborn humans, federal protection. But here's I got to say this. You were caricatured immediately as saying that women are like turtles. I mean, I, I heard that and they were they were trying to make fun of what you said and everything. I said, no, That was one of the best points you made you know those of us who say well what do you, what is this protection about you said you can't you can actually go to jail for messing with turtle eggs and go to and be fined mercilessly for messing you, with eagle eggs
1: you can't if you mess with the nests you can go to prison right up to a $100,000 fine for a preborn a preborn turtle or eagle right so why would a preborn turtle or eagle have more protections
0: well, baby. how do you and how do you deal with this is one of the, the things I've you know, I've been in in radio for for almost a decade now. And I the miss how people caricature, you know, the we should be trying to get at I, I've got you on here to amplify your, your voice, but also to make sure we can clarify. So we know what you're saying. Well, when people caricature an excellent point and then they try to demonize it, that's the opposite of what we should be doing with information media, isn't it?
1: It is well. And listen, um, uh, anytime we're standing for truth and what we're what I said on the Senate floor was the truth. Mm-hmm. And when you have, frankly, an evil, I'm going to call it evil movement in, in murdering these babies. Uh, you know, we're, we're getting a little cl- too close to the target for them. And so what they do is they'll pivot and demonize the message instead of really responding thoughtfully to a counter argument, you know why? There's not a counter argument to it, it's just the truth. And the more we get this out the American people, uh, the more I think we'll continue to change opinion here as they really thoughtfully consider what is going on there at 15 weeks, at 16 weeks in these, in these last terms of pregnancy, those are human beings, they're little babies that deserve the right to life.
0: Well, and, and Dobbs does get right to the heart of it because it's the first time the viability uh, aspect of, Dobbs, of, of of Roe v. Wade is coming up for the vote. And people, just so you understand what that is, and you know, I think we've heard it, but we really haven't thought about its implications. The state's main role in, in, in our lives is to protect the weak, the vulnerable from the abuses of the strong, to protect law-abiding citizens from those with criminal intentions. And really, for the first time, we have a a law that actually protects the strong against the weak that legalizes the ability for the strong to actually dispense with the weak as long as they're not viable and can't fight back. And so to me, it was if people actually sat down and said, wow, is the state able to do that? That's not really a good thing. Uh, We saw that in the spirit of the Democrats bill, didn't we? we did
1: well let's remember you know why god put government in place mm-hmm. in the first place and that was really it's a restraint of the evil tendencies because you know as as reformed thinkers here as somebody who grew up baptized and confirmed lutheran myself uh, <laughs> I we, <love> understand, <laughs> we understand uh, the doctrine of total depravity and the need for grace right. uh, we live in an evil world and consequently the role of governors to protect the weak and especially in our country, we don't allow mob rule. We believe in the inalienable rights and, and those are protected, even if you're in the minority and these little babies don't have a voice. So the real question comes down to, is this life or not? If it is life, then the, the next argument is, OK, you're protected. And it's it's, it's similar, of course, to the battle we fought in this country on slavery. The question is, is that slave? a human being that deserves the protection of the constitution or is it simply property that the slave owner owns we fought a war over that and ultimately we came to the conclusion rightfully so that they are human beings afford all the rights of our constitution that's the battle on abortion is this a baby and a life or not because if it is then
0: they should be protected. Yeah. And this is another great point that you make that, you know, stare decisis, uh, Dred Scott. If, if stare decisis is true, then Dred Scott doesn't get overturned. And it, it rightfully should, because it went against our foundational principles and it was arrogant and it was judicial overreach. And it literally took a civil war, like you said, to finally resolve that question to a degree. Uh, But here we are again with uh, people saying, well, why can't elite judges just determine these issues for us? Because these are moral issues that are bigger uh, than the judiciary. That's why. Um, so, again, you know, uh, Senator Daines, you know, I, I think the reason why I wanted to encourage you and that's one of our jobs, too, on the Hill is to encourage people that are uh, that are engaging this fight. And so just know that you have a lot of us behind you in that regard. And like I said before, to those of you who are listening in, this is not a this is not a Republican Democrat issue. This is a fundamental issue, what it means to be human. It, and, it, and so it really
1: is. And, and I, I, thanks for stating that, too. Right. I I guess I want to be careful. I I don't come across overly partisan on this because I'm just looking at the the reality that we see here on the Hill now. I'm talking about the elected officials. It has sadly become a very partisan issue. But I love I love the fact we've got 20 million pro-life Democrats. We need those pro-life Democrats to continue to shout loudly for their views as they're influencing the platforms in the party and elected officials, to hold them accountable that their voice is really, really important in this moment in history. And I just encourage them to not give up, but to stand firm. You don't have to become a Republican just continue to influence the democrats here get it
0: on the get it on the platform and i think that's and like we said too look one of our mantras is good government can't save us but bad government can destroy us <laughs> that's kind of the lutheran view of government yeah. um but in the in the whole point is folks this is the kind of stuff that's going to come with changed hearts it's going to come with people serving one another it's going to come with people actually caring for each other and and so all my life i've seen what happens when people of goodwill get together on this and, and we have to reinstill the value of life, because if you don't have a value of life, well, then politics isn't going to help and, and, and none of this is going to be stopped. But also re, reinstating and re um, empowering the family, all these kinds of things are the solutions to this. And that happens in our neighborhoods, in our homes, uh, and in our own self-government, right?
1: It really does. And I'll tell you, I just was speaking to a group yesterday about you have faith and liberty and so forth. Um, you know, Washington, D.C. has limited capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, to really change hearts. It's not really our fundamental role. That really is back in our communities. That's back in our churches. Uh, and, and that's why when you look at, at freedom, um, I, I, I love uh, Oz Guinness, who's uh, you know, uh, an yeah. author here in our country. Oz is a good friend of mine. Oz talks about the, the freedom triangle. In other words, freedom, true freedom requires virtue sure. and virtue requires faith and actually faith requires freedom. And so it's that, that circle there, we've got to come back to the important role that I uh, think about, again, I, I'm so grateful for my reformed heritage, my multi-generational Lutheran background that started back in Norway during the, the revivals that swept through Norway in the 1800s, that affected our family and our legacy of faith in our, in our Montana roots. And so I just want to encourage, you, it comes back to, to, to faith and virtue, very important part what we need here in our country.
0: Well, as a Finn, uh, I'm fifty percent Finnish, so I, <laughs> we're, we're we're a little bit on the other side of the uh, of the the bay there. I think, Um yeah, But yeah, same same great heritage, and and my my family settled in northern Michigan. But what you you know, what you just said, and I think our people know this too. The law doesn't transform us. The law can prevent us provide it can provide backstops protection. It's going to have to be changed hearts. It's actually love that that finally does that. Like you said, faith and love and virtue and action, and the. God Government—that's not the proper role of government. Government's not the, the faith, love <laughs> entity in our world. No, you, that's you read,
1: the- I, I tell you, you read, you read. I tell you some great letters, of course, that John Adams wrote to Abigail just before they inked the Declaration of Independence. Profound, profound words, and the uh, the apprehensions that John Adams had. About this experiment called America, because they were gonna they're gonna transfer the power to the people. Right. And the people needed to have virtue and self-restraint. And that comes from faith ultimately. Right. Uh, and 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 that's that's you know, we're our, our good works are not don't get us to heaven. Our good works are a result of what God has done for us through his grace and mercy. And that that is the that's the most civil society we can have. And you have that basis, you live a life of gratitude and right. service. Right. And not what do I deserve? And that—that that just the important role of the church cannot be overstated in this moment in history.
0: Well, I sure appreciate having you on today. Um, what an exciting time it is! I think for life in our country, and and I mean that sincerely. Everybody's life—the the cherishing of life. Uh, It's such a fundamental principle. Um, It's what good government should undergird, and it's what all of us should learn to live for the sake of our neighbor. And I think you just hit the nail on the head. Good works are, even, even in religion, folks, good works are not to save us. Good works are what we do for neighbor because of how much God loves us and and so what a great opportunity to live freely in this country again um senator thank you for your leadership i guess my final question how can we support your efforts for compassionate just laws for unborn children their mothers their families i mean what what more can we do as concerned informed citizens
1: well the um uh, the prayers of, so, of millions i do believe has been part of why we're at this moment in history overturning roe v wade um and and there's a uh when people ask what to pray for elected officials for me, I asked for praying for in the book of Daniel, Daniel diffused a tough situation there, a Jewish kid in the land of uh, foreign land, basically yeah, like Iraq. Yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, and it says he had wisdom and tact. So it's, it's wisdom here on Capitol Hill, but also tact. How do we communicate tactfully uh, on issues right now that they're so polarizing? But second is engage your elected officials make sure the pro-life Democrats, pro-life Republicans, pro-life independents are voicing their opinion. Because listen, the pro-abortion folks are very loud. We need the pro-life groups and pro-life believers here to continue to engage their officials and, uh, and hold their elected officials accountable.
0: Well, we will do our part, and we will seek to also be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. (laughs) And uh, I I look forward to the time when we can, again, sit down face-to-face in the office. I really appreciate you being willing to come on the Liberty Alert today. God bless your your leadership. Uh,
1: God bless you, Greg. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today. To get to know our LCRL-DC work better, check out our website at lcrlfreedom.org. Contain there are resources to empower your public square dynamic discipleship. Or check out our weekly Word from the Center opinion piece every Friday at facebook.com forward slash Freedom. Till next time, God bless you always. I'm Gregory Seltz. Have a great week. You've been listening to Liberty Alert with Dr. Gregory Seltz, executive director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in Washington, D.C. This program has been brought to you by the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty.